Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Wednesday, August 4th. I'm Noreen Caceres. These are today's headlines. The highly infectious Delta variants are reportedly making up more than 90% of U.S. cases as the COVID-19 crisis in this country grows worse. Days after a nationwide eviction moratorium elapsed, the White House and the CDC issuing new orders to protect renters in hard-hit parts of the United States. And after a scathing new report issued by the New York Attorney General, a growing list of state and national leaders, including President Biden, calling for the resignation of Governor Andrew Cuomo, who stands accused of sexual harassment. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. The White House urging governors to help fight the pandemic or get out of the way as New York City becomes the first, the first to require proof of vaccination for indoor activities. Meanwhile, the FDA reportedly one step closer to granting full approval of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. COVID-19 cases globally set to exceed 200 million in the next few days. The WHO saying the highest number of infections last week were reported in India, Indonesia, Brazil, Iran, and the U.S., where the Delta variant now accounts for more than 93% of all reported cases. We are not crying wolf here. Uh, This surge that we're going through right now has every potential to be and already looks to be the worst surge we faced so far. We're at 50,000 hospitalizations today in this country, which is where we were in February of last year. Meanwhile, thousands of vaccine doses nationwide expiring and getting tossed due to lack of demand. The New York Times reporting the FDA plans to grant full approval of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine by Labor Day in hopes the move helps boost confidence. I do hope it's going to be within the next couple of weeks. They said hopefully by the end of the month. I hope it's even sooner than that. There are many good reasons to get this done. They're doing their job. They're an independent agency and they're doing a job and they do a good job. One of the biggest worries now are kids who can't get vaccinated. The American Academy of Pediatrics reporting cases among children has risen 84% in the past week. The group counting almost 72,000 new cases from July 22nd to July 29th. It's clear that this variant is capable of causing serious illness in children. Uh, You have heard those stories coming out of Louisiana pediatric ICUs where there are kids as young as a few months old who are sick from this. That is rare. Certainly younger people are less likely to fall ill. But anybody who tries to tell you, ah, you don't have to worry about it if you're a young, healthy person, there's many counterexamples all around us now. The CDC warning that wearing a mask now is more crucial than ever, regardless of vaccination status. Everyone who is in a K through 12 school um, in the fall should be masked. Everyone across the country, adults, children, vaccinated or unvaccinated, everyone should be masked. In Louisiana, the governor following the recommendation, reinstating a state mask mandate. Everyone on a K through 12 campus, a college campus, university campus, regardless of their vaccination status, uh, are covered by this mandate. It's vitally important that we protect our children, especially those who are too young to be vaccinated. 
This school near Charlotte, North Carolina, learning the hard way, changing its policy and now requiring masks for all after 150 staff and students were placed in quarantine. It should have been the policy from the get-go. Meanwhile, New York City announcing a bold and controversial safety measure, now requiring proof of vaccination for all indoor dining, entertainment, and gyms. The goal here is to convince everyone that this is the time. If we're going to stop the Delta variant, the time is now. And that means getting vaccinated right now. The president reacting to the move. Do you think more cities and states should institute rules like that? I do. I think they just need to give the authority of those restaurants or businesses to say, in order to come in, you have to give proof that you've been vaccinated or that you can't come in. The White House urging states like Texas and Florida, where governors have implemented mandates to prohibit masks and restrictions, to either help fight the pandemic or at least let local governments make their own decisions. If you aren't going to abide by public health guidance, then get out of the way and let people do the right thing to lead in their communities, whether they are teachers, university leaders, private sector leaders, or others who are trying to save lives. And New York City's new vaccine requirement will launch August 16th and be fully enforced by September 13th. And the World Health Organization is calling for a moratorium on COVID-19 vaccine boosters until at least the end of September. The move, an effort to enable that at least 10% of the population of every country is vaccinated. The request made by the health, healthier countries that have far outpaced the developing world in numbers of vaccinations. He said richer countries have administered about 100 doses of coronavirus vaccines for every 100 people on average, while low-income countries hampered by short supplies have provided only 1.5 doses per, per 100 people. But a new survey is revealing persistent resistance to getting the shot from those who are currently unvaccinated. A new survey finds most unvaccinated Americans believe COVID-19 vaccinations are more dangerous than the disease. Unvaccinated Americans largely believe the media has exaggerated the severity of the pandemic. They are also less likely to wear masks in public. 53% of vaccinated people reported wearing masks in grocery stores and other indoor places. 44% of unvaccinated people said they wear masks in those situations. And we go now to Washington. The Centers for Disease Control has issued a new moratorium on evictions for the next 60 days. This after the Biden administration came under fire for allowing vulnerable renters to lose their homes during the pandemic. Edwin BD has the details from our D.C. Bureau. Edwin? Lorraine, it is definitely a relief for millions of families across the U.S. that were facing imminent evictions. The CDC is saying that evicting people could be detrimental to public health and it would interfere with their efforts to slow the pandemic. With this fresh moratorium, the CDC is giving families 60 more days to find solutions such as alternatives to pay their debt or apply for the federal assistance through the state. This is what President Biden said regarding the announcement. We have billions of dollars that we've given to states to provide for rent and utilities for those people who can't afford to stay in their homes because they can't, I mean, in apartments, they can't pay their rent. And so we're urging them to distribute those funds to the landlords. 
Now, this eviction is not an extension of the last federal mandate. It lasts only for 60 days, and it targets areas hit hard by COVID-19, and it covers 90% of Americans that live in the 75% of counties across the country that are seeing a spike in cases of the Delta variant. Meanwhile, progressive Democrats who have been pushing the White House to take action celebrated the announcement, among them Congresswoman Cori Bush, who slept on the Capitol step to shed light on the issue. Take a listen. I am just happy that people right now are not fearful that they'll end up with that eviction notice on their doors and that we have bought some time. Somewhere around 11 million people, possibly around 6 million families are now safe. But, but the work is not over. We have to do the work right now to make sure that the states and the localities disperse that money and that the structures are, are there for, our, um, um, for these areas to be able to uh, uh, efficiently do the work to get that, uh, the, that over $40 billion out. We have to get that done. We got to get it done in 60 days. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said that no legislative action was required because the money to help is there. He agreed with President Biden that local governments need to move quickly in making the funds available so they can solve the problem. However, many are saying the last-minute extension moratorium bearing eviction is injecting a new layer of confusion for renters who had been on the verge of eviction, and for some of them, it's already too late. Live in Washington, D.C., back to you, Lorraine. Thank you, Erin, for that report. And now let's go to Giovanni Bush. He's been helping renters with the legal services of North Florida. Thanks for being here, Giovanni. What's your reaction to the CDC issuing a new ban on evictions for the next two months? Well, I'm grateful here, uh, especially legal services. We've seen nearly a thousand cases uh, of requests for assistance for eviction protection since the start of January. Um, which is almost the total we had uh, for all of last year. And so we're grateful, but listen, this is not an automatic eviction moratorium. Uh, tenants need to know that there's steps that they have to take to receive these prote protections. Um, specifically, there's a CDC declaration that they need to make sure they're eligible for and need to provide notice to their, their landlords in the court. And so while we're grateful the protections are there, um, they're thin protections and, and we need to make sure that uh, communities are mobilizing to, to get tenants what they need to do to, to take care of themselves. Directly with renters in the northern part of Florida, what are you seeing? What are renters at risk of losing their homes telling you? I, I think what everyone sees this as a financial issue, but to these renters, this is just much more than that. Every time a moratorium comes up and, and they're near the end of an expiration period, it's like a, a series of mini traumas that these renters are facing because they don't know where their kids are going to go to school. Um, many that are starting jobs at home have to uh, restart and find new ways to, to keep their new employment going. I mean, it's been a, just a huge strain on the mental health of a lot of our clients and especially their children. Um, and so that's our concern, trying to find ways to just let them know where the resources are, make sure they know to pursue any legal aid services available in the community. And that's the, that's the big uh, need right now. And let me ask you this, despite the moratorium, we've already seen reports of people getting evicted. What exactly is going on there? No, that's, that's a great question, Lorraine. So it, it's, you need to know that the moratorium there is for non-payment of rent but it doesn't stop evictions potentially for other reasons, right? Such as the lease being over or they're 
being a cause of a, a lease violation. But unfortunately, what we see in some practices are, are landlords are saying, look, I, I can't evict you for not being able to pay the rent and try to find other means or methods to uh, try to get people out if they're, if they're not paying and that emergency rental assistance isn't coming in time. And that's why it's crucial to get uh, any legal assistance from an attorney or legal aid so you know what your rights are if you're facing that. Because it's a thin line between homelessness and, and being able to stay housed and protected. And Congress approved $46 billion in rental assistance, but so far only $3 billion have been distributed. How have your clients been able to access this money and what are the current roadblocks when it comes to distributing this aid? Sure. Uh, a lot of clients have requested the assistance. Um, I think it's important to remember that for some of these state and local communities, they're, they're creating these programs now from the start. So it's unprecedented amount of funds available, but for some of our clients, especially those that don't have access to technology or are struggling, um, are working multiple jobs with families, it's hard for them to know where the funds are. And so really, uh, that's where we hope community leaders step up as they have in, in our community in Tallahassee, Florida, to, to see that they're making certain at-risk tenants and families uh, and individuals are getting the need, uh, the help they need and know where to go for those funds. And Giovanni, my last question, Black and Latino renters are at higher risk from eviction during the pandemic. What effect does an eviction have on a person's credit report and ability to rent in another apartment? It's a big issue. A lot of times, as soon as someone gets that eviction on their record, it can be uh, really the red letter mark against them being able to apply and have uh, clean and clear approval for the next place they want to go to. Um, and that's been a big issue, especially because many of the people at risk of eviction, and CDC has stated in their statements regarding vaccination equity, that many of those individuals are those um, that have a slower rate of getting the vaccine. So that's an increased risk for those individuals that if they're evicted, it's hard for them to get a new place to go and many are not receiving the vaccine. And so that's a huge risk to them of receiving the new Delta variant. Well, thank you so much, Giovanni Bush of Legal Services of North Florida for all of that information. We appreciate having you in the show. Thank you, Lorraine. And New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, once a rising star in the Democratic Party, now under growing pressure to resign just after hours after the release of a scathing sexual harassment report against him. Rafael Rodriguez has the latest. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is facing new calls to resign after a bombshell report into sexual harassment claims against him. Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women and in doing so violated federal and state law. Overnight, the governors of four Northeast states releasing a joint statement saying they're, quote, appalled at the findings of the independent investigation, adding that Cuomo, quote, should resign. Also calling for Cuomo to resign, both New York senators, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and President Biden. I think he should resign. The investigation, released by New York Attorney General Letitia James, found 11 women were telling the truth when they said the governor had touched them inappropriately. Some of the allegations now made public include a trooper on the governor's security team who described a pattern of harassment. She was standing holding the door open for the governor. As he passed, he took his open hand and ran it across her stomach from her belly button to where she, the hip where she keeps her gun. She told us that she felt completely violated. In a pre-recorded statement, 
Cuomo remaining defiant. I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate sexual advances. The governor also defended his history of greeting people affectionately, showing pictures of himself kissing people on the cheek. I actually learned it from my mother and from my father. It is meant to convey warmth, nothing more. Rafael Rodriguez, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. That would essentially put an end to the longest war in U.S. history. This is interior of a stash house that we found in this right along today. State authorities recommend avoiding them at night. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. The Mexican government, government said in, it plans to file legal action against several major U.S.-based gun manufacturers, alleging that lax controls contribute to illegal flow of weapons over the border. Mexican authorities believe U.S.-made weapons have fueled the explosive violence that has transformed parts of the country over the past decade. Around 2.5 million illicit American guns have poured across the border in that time period, according to a Mexican government study released last year. Legal gun sales in Mexico are tightly restricted. The suit, which seeks unspecified financial compensation from the companies, does not target the U.S. government. And meanwhile, the Biden administration is preparing to begin offering coronavirus vaccines to migrants in U.S. custody along the Mexico border, according to The Washington Post. Until now, only a limited number of migrants have received vaccines while held in longer-term ICE detention facilities. Under the broad outlines of the new plan, DHS would vaccinate migrants soon after they cross into the United States as they await processing by U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And meanwhile, in South Texas, a massive number of migrants trying to cross the border are prompting new concerns from residents and officials. Andrew Peña takes us there. U.S. Border Patrol in South Texas can't keep up with the volume of migrants crossing the border. In the last few days, they have been arriving by the thousands. Yesterday, we saw dozens of them arriving in groups, one after another, even in the middle of the rainstorms. It is God's will, and here I am, thanks to him and her. Many of those we witnessed arriving were unaccompanied minors. How many minors came here in this group? I don't know. More than 25, 25 to 30 minors. Some children came taking care of their younger siblings. Did you come with your little sister? Yes, with my sister. Did you come alone too? Yes, alone. So this group here is just minors? Yes, only minors. According to recent figures, a record number of unaccompanied minors arrived in July, a little more than 19,000, surpassing the 18,800 from March. What happened to your little shoes? They got lost when we were thrown into the river. Among the unaccompanied minors, we met these two little sisters from Honduras. Lilibeth, barely five years old, came barefoot. Didn't you get tired? No. They say that the hard thing for them was to be without their mother who they haven't seen in five years. They are dying to give her a hug. I miss her. 
I miss her. She left us because my dad left us abandoned. What is happening in recent days has never been seen before. There are too many people arriving, so many that the immigration authorities feel overwhelmed. And nothing stops migrants, says the Border Patrol officials, not the torrential downpours or the dangers of crossing the river. And if June and July broke records, August, they say, judging by what we are seeing here, could surpass those numbers by far. Reported by Pedro Utreras in La Jolla, Texas. Andrew Pena, U News. The Biden administration is continuing its push to get the half of the massive half trillion dollar bipartisan infrastructure bill through Congress. The over 2,700 page plan represents a historic opportunity to repair roads and bridges, as well as invest in transit, high speed rail, a resilient energy transmission grid and improve access to clean drinking water and Internet. I spoke with the Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Grohlem, uh, yesterday about the potential impacts of this legislation. I mean, these are the basics. This is the infrastructure, both 20th and 21st century infrastructure that is necessary for survival. And we've got yet 35% of the Latino community doesn't even have access to high speed Internet. That's wrong in America. So that's why this package, it's got a lot in it, but really it will help us to make sure the basics are covered Secretary Granholm says she expects to um, she expects to have a large bipartisan infrastructure bill as well as a second larger bill pitched through Congress and ready for the president's signature before October 1st. First of all, there is a significant investment in the transmission grid. So if we want to add all this capacity for clean energy, which is, of course, the way we respond to climate change by adding renewables onto the grid, we basically have to double the size of the transmission grid and we have to make it more resilient. And so this infrastructure package invests in the transmission grid. It invests in resiliency because communities have to respond to climate change. In many places, they may have to build seawalls or they may have to bury the electrical wires to, to survive these extreme climate events. This is step one, though. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.